Welcome back to the Zoom room. We're here with episode six. I'm Caitlin Free. That's Andy Villanueva. And today we're going to be joined by Dubai Racing TV's Laura King to discuss the World Cup and the World Cup Carnival that begins on Thursday, January 21st. Before we get to her, I'm going to take a moment, offer up prayers and positive thoughts to our good friend, Carrie Thomas. Andy, what's up? Uh, not much. We got uh, the first set of three-year-old races this year, the Lecomte Stakes, and I feel very confident in saying that we probably did not see the Derby winner this weekend. It was a very slow race. I think I can feel very confident. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think I can feel very confident in saying that we absolutely did not. And I don't think we saw them the week earlier either. So I think the Lacombe could be a pretty good place to start by seeing some of our good derby contenders. But um, as far as what we've seen this year so far, not really sure. Yeah, not not too uh, enthused by it. And uh, I'm sure it's January. I usually don't really take a lot of uh credence to what horses are live for the derby this month i'll wait until february and march to decide which way i go with that yeah and we do have the smarty jones coming up this weekend and it usually doesn't produce super live derby contenders but um curious to see there's usually a horse that maybe finishes in the top four that comes out of that race kind of like a will take charge um type of horse oxbow one like that so <clears throat> excuse me we'll have to see what really comes out of that race i like the field this year but the lecomp left a little bit to be desired so that's kind of where i'm at with the whole derby picture right now yeah me too and uh while we have her on now um we can we can start by introducing laura Laura King of racing dubai tv and she's been there for quite a while and the one cool thing about Laura is she's probably one of the foremost experts in Dubai and Maidan and European racing. And I'm glad I was able to get her on here and you were able to get her on here so we can discuss the beginning of the Dubai World Cup Carnival. Welcome, Laura. We're excited to have you. Well, thanks so much for having me. I hope you're both uh, keeping well over there. For now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now. <laughs> so the Dubai World Cup Carnival starts uh, in earnest on Thursday, and it's a very quiet field. A couple horses possibly we need to take a look at, but first things first, I noticed this morning you tweeted out on on information on Ben Batal, who's probably the best European horse right now in training. Uh, give us an update on that while we have you on here. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, really. Not a huge surprise. Um, we noticed a few weeks ago he wasn't listed as being in training in Dubai. So he's in the UK and Sabin Sraw has issued an, an update today saying the horse won't make the Saudi Cup or the Dubai World Cup. Of course, he ran a brilliant race in, in Saudi last year. He was one of the favourites for the Dubai World Cup before it was cancelled. And we hoped he would lead the challenge again, but not to be. They're going to keep him for a European campaign. Uh, so presumably he's had a setback. Fingers crossed. If he runs in the summer, maybe Saeed will consider some races in the States uh, later in, in the year. But uh, from a, a Middle Eastern point of view, it's obviously disappointing news. Right now, obviously, the Dubai World Cup is kind of um, in a 
it's not in a holding pattern, but usually you see a lot of Americans come out there to race, and this year it's a little different. Do you feel that by February it works itself out to where we know what Americans are going to come out here, or do you feel that it's going to be more of a local flavor this year? Well, everything changed a little bit really last year with the introduction of the Saudi Cup because there were several horses that ran in that race and were going to come to Dubai, the, the winner, Maximum Security. I don't think that was ever the plan. It wasn't the plan for Midnight Bizu either. But we did have several that did come over and start training at Maidan for that, including Tacitus and, as I mentioned earlier, Ben Battle. So I think it will, to some extent, depend on on what is going to be running in Saudi. I know Bob Baffert's thinking about it for Charlatan and whether Connections then want to come on to Dubai. You've got time to take in both races. They're quite well spaced. They're about sort of five weeks apart this year. But yeah, in a normal year before we had Saudi, we would by now have some idea of, of what horses from America were pointing over here because we were all banking on, on, on Tis the Law before he was retired. That was a real shame. So at the moment, we're a little bit in the dark and we'll find out a bit more this week with the sort of first round in the series, if you like, Maxim Challenge round one, as to whether or not we've got a credible contender from among the locals. Now, the and what... Uh... Who is in that field for the Maktoum Challenge 1? It, is that, that's being run at Jabal Ali on Sunday? No, yeah. this is a, a Maidan on uh, on Thursday, the first day of, of the carnival. It's, it's actually a really deep field for it. Um, it's, a, it's a race that sort of dates back an awful long time, um, right the way back to the, the sort of start of, of racing here in Dubai, the, the early 90s. And one of the mo- most interesting things is one of the horses is actually not running in it because Saeed bin Saror, did say earlier on in the year, in fact, at the end of last year, that he would look at this race for Military March, who we haven't seen since the Guineas in June in, in England. But anyway, he's decided against the race of Military March. He's going to keep him on the turf, which makes a lot more sense to me. And he's actually going to run him elsewhere on the card in the Singsbill Stakes. But going back to Matum Challenge round one, we've got a, a fascinating lineup, I think. Um, we've got uh, a Juste Fiscal who, who comes in here from from uh, South America. He's trained by a, a, a Brazilian trainer in Uruguay, in Antonio Sintra. So looking forward to seeing how he gets on. And then we've got a few horses that are just returning from a bit of a break. A horse I really like called Military Law is in here. He's very interesting. Um, he's probably not going to be good enough to win a, a World Cup, but he, he's one who, who will make the field and indeed would have made the field last year had the race, uh, the race continued. So... There's no kind of really obvious standout, I don't think, but there are some really nice horses in there at, uh, at this stage. Uh, and my apologies. I actually had the downloaded program for the 16th. Um, I, re- I had already looked it over and saw there weren't really any stakes races, and now I've got the regular thing up here. Now, yeah. um, I really like – I really – now looking at the Baku field, I'm looking here um, – you know, there are some really solid horses in here. Um, the Grey Collection is always is always one of those horses that's very honest. Um, everybody will remember Quip from the U.S. who was Derby, uh, who was going to the Derby at one time. Uh, so, and Capizano to me is always one of those horses that is a solid horse that can that can do their their best. Yeah, work. exactly. It- 
it's more of a to take to look at this race sort of literally it's probably more of a trial for the godolphin mile but we have had horses win this step up in trip throughout the maktoum series and, and go on uh, with success in the in the dubai world cup gloria de campio did it a few years ago but the salute the soldier would have been favorite for the godolphin mile last year the great collection as you mentioned won a really good listed mile race back in december so you've got horses like that up against capazano who ran in the Saudi Cup and then for me to use the horrible term sort of blew up a little bit last time he got very very tired if he is on song he should take the world of beating in this field yeah Laura I wanted to ask you what what are the type of protocols that are in place right now um surrounding Maiden. I know obviously we didn't run last year because of the COVID pandemic but what has really changed between yeah it's it's really strict at, at Maidan um no crowd of course we do normally have a, a large public enclosure where it's free um but sadly that's been been closed for around about a since February I, I think was it was when they they said goodbye to the public um you can go into the restaurants obviously they have you know track and trace system in place in in, in the restaurants but for owners you can only go racing if you have a horse on that day so whereas before, if you had an owner's badge, you could go racing anytime. Now you have to register. I think it's one owner and one guest and you can only go racing on, on that day. So that's the main thing. Uh, face masks at all times. Uh, we don't have to wear them when we're on air, but the rest of the time, everyone has to wear them. And they are very strict as to who goes where. The great thing is it's an absolutely huge facility. So plenty of space for everyone to spread out. What are the quarantine rules right now as far as the horses? I know they kind of differ depending on the year um but is there anything special in place for horses coming in and out with everything going on no the movement of horses here has been largely unaffected it's still the same if you were to bring a horse from america tomorrow they have to do the 48 hours in quarantine they can't go out of the the, the world cup quarantine area and then they can go onto the track in their designated slots so at the moment we have international slots I think it's uh, 5.30 till half five and then seven till half seven. And then uh, on different times on, on the training track as well. So we have a training track, of course, and, and the main track. So nothing's really changed regarding the horse quarantine, but obviously different rules around around the people. Absolutely. Yeah, I knew it was a little bit different for Breeders' Cup. There was a kind of a little bit of a tight squeeze there because the people and the horses were both affected by the rules. So I was curious to see if it was affected largely because of that with the, with that this year but have you heard anything about Saudi the rules with that I know there's kind of a time crunch coming up on that so and we really as far as horses concerned here like Charleston we haven't we haven't heard hardly any chatter about at all mm. yeah I mean we had the entries for the Saudi Cup last week and obviously because they're free entries uh, trainers tend to mm -hmm. to, to nominate pretty much every horse they've got in the barn. So we don't know too much about anyone specifically pointing towards the race, although they did have the main local prep for it in Saudi at the weekend. A horse called Great Scott, who actually used to be trained in England, won that. So he'll be heading to the race. And, and I think a lot will depend on on, uh, on this weekend. You know, if, if Capizano were to win really well, perhaps they might look at going back to the race with him. Um, so we'll know a, know a little bit more over, over the coming weeks with Saudi. But regarding the quarantine, what was really pleasing about last year is, although the Dubai World Cup didn't take place, people kind of got a, a test run of how it was to move horses between the two venues. And that will seem to go relatively smoothly. So 
fingers crossed that the uh, it'll be a sort of Middle East swing, if you like to use a golfing term, and people could go to Saudi and then come on onto Dubai. That that's the idea. I'll see why not. One thing, one thing that differs from uh, say Royal Ascot um, and some of the big major meets in Europe when it comes to Dubai is is where how the horses are being trained up to a race. Uh, sometimes some of those horses aren't technically favorites. They're more they're favorites, but they really shouldn't be favorites because that's not the the main goal for these horses. Um, can you explain exactly how that works for the American for the American audience? Uh, because out here, it's always if the horse is in that race, it's meant to win. Whereas there in Maidan, even if the horse is there, say like let's say like military march may need a race. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I suppose I've never really considered before that it's it's slightly different how we we do things in. In Europe, yeah, I mean, a horse like Military Law, for instance, is the one I mentioned earlier. Um, his main aim, and indeed the distance that he's more effective over, is the World Cup distance of the, the, the 2,000 metres, a mile and, and a quarter. And I don't think he's going to be ready at all for this week because they'll use the, the race to bring him on. I'm not saying he can't be effective. I think he's a lovely horse. But if you look back at his form, he's generally a lot more effective over further. So... They'll use this race to bring him on fitness-wise and they'll aim to have him, I'd say, spot on for Super Saturday because that's a group one, a pretty soft group one that you can win and pick up a lot of money. And if you win that race, you're certainly going to get into the Dubai World Cup. So that's the main aim for military law and also another horse in the race, a local horse called Mark of Approval. They're very much aiming him, I believe, at that third round of the Maxim Challenge, a group one on Super Saturday because you can win that while all the, the big horses, the good horses, the Americans are over in, in South. So trainers are usually pretty open, I find. They'll say, look, the horse isn't right. Our main name's later on. And there's a sort of school of thought that you can get as horses as fit as you like in the morning. You can work them really hard, but they'll never quite gain from that what they will gain from race fitness. So that's the way things are, are done uh, quite often. Um, and I say with a few of the horses in the race this week, that will, that will certainly be the case. Uh, then you've got others in here who... It's kind of their cup final to some extent. Um, the Great Collection, for instance, if he was to win this, that would be by far his his career best. And yes, if you win this, you will get an invitation to the Godolphin Mile, maybe even depending on your rating, the Dubai World Cup. The Great Collection is probably not good enough to win either of those races. So if he could win this, that would be, to some extent, about as high as, as, as he could go, I, I would say. It would be like a, a, in the same vein, like I think a few years ago, Dreamcastle, um, won the Dubai, I think it was the Dubai Stakes opening, opening night of the Dubai World Cup Carnival, and he basically, he basically was a first time gelding at that time, and he ended up becoming a very nice horse during that Dubai World Cup Carnival, where he was very solid. Um, do you do you feel that um, do you feel it's a benefit for for the locals when they have all this time and invested there in the in, in uh, Dubai? Yeah, I think with Godolphin, um, it's a little bit different. Both Sabin Straw and Charlie Appleby are just absolutely brilliant at, at getting their horses spot on. Um, and to use a case with, with Dream Castle, who, who you mentioned, 
he, he actually runs on, on Thursday. He's a, a funny horse because he was just quite quirky, I think, and he ne- needed the gelding operation to just sort of straighten him out. And it, and it worked really, really well. Um, so I'd say that Godolphin, they, they give their horses, you'll see a long break quite often. They might not run them from August or September. And it brings them here to the carnival nice and fresh. But at the same time, they, they, there's very few of them that you would say really come on substantially for the run um of course they are a little bit they have a little bit more advantage over the the trainers who are based here all year in that they can run their horses in august september whereas we don't start racing here till the end of october so take it off a little bit different in 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 that regard and so for followers of dream castle he goes in the singspiel stake which is uh, a group two on the turf on on uh, on thursday and he's got uh, no fewer than four godolphin stable mates to try and beat there yeah i saw that i was like mm-hmm. Well, geez, just pick a blue horse and we'll go from there. Yeah. And then it's often not a bad idea if you're in doubt, go go with Godolphin. They don't get yeah. a lot wrong. And then uh, one final one final comment. Uh, you know, the there's a there's a dirt stakes race on Thursday as well, and former Steve Asmussen trained Switzerland is in there, and I know that they've been pointing to to have them to have them be more of a horse that runs there. Uh, but he hasn't seemed to have reached his potential yet. What I've noticed, though, is that most of the horses in, in Dubai, especially, because they allow the horses to train longer and go longer in their careers, they have a tendency to peak at six and seven. Is that something that's normally uh, something people in the state should look at as far as when they're handicapping Dubai? Yeah, it's interesting. I think the reason horses go on for so long here, and you mentioned the Dubawi Stakes there that Switzerland runs in, a really good example of a horse who's got better with age in there is is Bochart, um, who was winning races over a mile and a quarter a couple of years ago, and he's been sort of reinvented as a as a sprinter, and he'll have a very good chance of, of, of winning that race on Thursday. And I think so the reason they, they do continue so long is they have such a long time off. For a good horse here in, 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 in Dubai a carnival-rated horse, you're not going to find many races for them before November if you're lucky, and their racing's pretty much done. If they go all the way through to World Cup, they're going to be done in March. And most of our, our trainers here don't, apart from Godolphin, of course, our locally-based trainers don't send their horses overseas. So they have such a long time to recover. And then they might race only three or four times, the top horses here, and that's them for the year. So that's, I think, why they go on for so long. They have loads and loads of time off. Um, so... That could be why. But regarding Switzerland, he's quite interesting. He's actually moved. You'll notice he moved with Barnes since he uh, arrived in, in, in Dubai. He came here with Steve Asmussen, of course. Then they left him with trainer Doug Watson. And now he's moved to Satish Sima. And he'll actually be having his first run for Satish on Thursday. And he's a really strong travelling horse, isn't he? He always looks like he's going to win. Doesn't necessarily quite get home. But apparently he's been training really, really well. But I think he's he's going to struggle against what is just a brilliant field. Gladiator King is an absolute monster. He's another ex-US horse. Bochart, I mentioned. And then you've got an unbeaten Uruguayan sprinter in there called Upper Class. So it's only a Group 3. We've got uh, plenty of Group 2s on the car, but it's a very, very good race, that. And you'd expect the winner of that to then continue through the sprinting series. And the ideal aim for them, of course, would be the the Group 1 Golden Shaheen. That's kind of what the connections in that Dubai we stayed on Thursday have got in mind. Well, thank you for coming on for a little bit here. I know it's late there in, in Dubai, but we really appreciate your time and 
can't wait to touch base a little later on in the meet so we can discuss a little bit more of the Almoc tomb or uh, the Super Saturday and then leading up to the Dubai World Cup. That would be great. Many thanks for, for having me. Oh, thank you. Anytime, thank Laura. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> Take care. Bye. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was, yep. Laura King, that was Laura King of the Divide Racing Channel. And Caitlin, there are some, there's some mares to be discussed today before we end the show. Um, so what do we got? There are some mares to be discussed. Of course, it's, I guess, widely known that I keep a long list of brood mares and then famous ex-race mares um, that I follow all the way through their breeding careers. So um, we've had a few of them full already this year. Marley's Freedom just dropped her first full the other day on the 15th. So it'd be four days old now, probably going outside and getting acclimated. But she had a filly. They already named it. Quality Road Philly by named Hope's Road out of Marley's Freedom. Also, um, the half-sister to Galileo, See the Stars, um, daughter of Urban Sea, um, My Typhoon. She just had a Kitten's Joy Philly. And there's one more. Let me try to think of it. Oh, multiple graded stakes winner Juanita just had an o Uncle Mo Philly. So we've got three on the list so far. I'm sure there's more that just haven't been reported yet, but I'll check them again in a couple weeks. But we have a lot of really excited, exciting pairings this year. Um, there's a lot of them that I'm really excited for. And of course, some first mares that are going to be dropping their first foals. Trying to think of some of the really exciting mid mares. Who can you who can you think of? They're going to be dropping their first holes. I know Midnight well, Mizu, obviously. To, to be honest with you, I don't follow the mares after they run, so <laughs> that's more on you. Unless I end up turning around and you know looking at one that I'm looking about, but um, that's one of those things to where I'm as class is letting out right now. Um, I think it's one of those deals that we. Um, we both don't, you're better at that than I am, and I'm more than willing to give you that and let you run at it. I'm going to actually pull up my list here. That way I can touch on a few of them. I have over 500 players on this list, so I kind of face out when it comes time for me to actually talk about them. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, who's been bred to who, even though, like, I... I know who's been bred to who, but I, there's just so many on the list. So let me go through here. Um, another one that everybody's really excited for, even though this pairing has already been done, is Abel Tasman and Galileo. She's expecting a Galileo full um, later on this spring. So excited about that one. Um, we've got a couple first-time mamas. American Gal is expecting a full by Curlin. Let's see who else is in here. For all you National Hunt fans, Apples Jade, our top female National Hunt horse over the hurdles, is going to be expecting a walk in the park full. She is due any day now, I believe. So she may have already fold. Um, she's actually just sold back to her owner to regain full ownership of 500 euros or 500,000 euros a few months ago. And she was already pretty heavily in full. Um, Beholder is expecting a Bolt Doro full. Believe You Can is in full to American Pharaoh, former Kentucky Oaks winner. I was, I'm really, really excited about that, that full. Um, I just really, really like that pairing. We have a few mares that are in full to Too Darn Hot. I think you remember Too Darn Hot from the European circuit. Um, yeah. Really, really good two-year-old. Came on pretty well as a three-year-old as well. Maybe didn't um, exceed expectations the way he was 
expected to, but still I have a lot of really, really high hopes for him as a sire. Um, who else do we have here? Caledonia Road was bred back to Justify. She's over in Japan now. She fold out one time this or she fold out one time over here in the United States and it was in 2020, but they've since brought her over to Japan. I got a lot of the Japanese mares on this list. Champagne Room and Folda Kazuna. We have a lot of them in Folda Kazuna, Duramente, Lord Kinaloa. Um, obviously, we've been using some of those stallions since Deep Impact and King Kamima have passed away. Um, Duramente has been very, very popular. So we've got a lot of the mares in fold to him. Kafefe was bred to Constitution. She should be expecting any day now, as should her stablemate, Fancy Dress Party. They're both in fold constitution um exciting pairing here very interesting you remember carolina yes she yes, is one of the top japanese mares that was bred to bricks and mortar i love bricks and mortar i think he's one of the he's going to be a great style i think he will be and i was i was sad that the Japanese scooped him up but it totally 100% made sense he's tailor-made for their program and they will definitely appreciate him a little bit more than we will um lots of mares bred to end of mischief Galileo Frankel the usual suspects so we can keep going over these every week I'll let you know who's fold out who's closed stuff like that so that's awesome I love the fact that we have such a big list from you and I truly appreciate it because I get all my information from you 99% of the time. Um, and next week is a big week. Well, this weekend is a big weekend. It's Pegasus World Cup. We'll discuss that uh, next episode. And we will also discuss, we will also have uh, Sam Sherman on, who is an owner uh, in the Midwest. A very good handicapper as well. And he's also running a handicapping challenge at Sam Houston Race Park until Friday of next week, but he's using his own money to do it. It's a free challenge, and I wish he would have told me this ahead of time so I could have plugged it, but uh, he's, a good, he's a great guy. He's an Aston Villa fan, so he gets double points for me, but um, we'll talk Houston Racing Carnival or Racing Festival and the Houston Ladies Classic, which is next Sunday. Exciting stakes race is coming up. I'm super excited for the Pegasus. Um, I think it's a little strange that we don't even know who's going to the Pegasus until the entries are going to be drawn, of course, um, tomorrow. So I'm like, who's even going? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to even wrap your brain around it. And um, for those of you that follow, if you really want a good follow, follow the Daily Gallop um, on Twitter because. There is a huge handicapping contest going on. All of the selections for every single handicapper in this tournament will be available to you for Pegasus uh, Day. And so in case you need any help with it, you're going to get about 64 of the top handicappers in the country basically giving you selections for free. Can't beat that. Nope, and you're one of them. <laughs> I am one of them. So it'll be fun to watch, and so am I. And, um, you know, with that, uh, we close out today. That is Caitlin Free. I'm Andy Villanueva. And if you need a follow, it is at Caitlin E. Free on Twitter. And for me, it's at A Villanueva 3RD. 
And if you want to follow our website, it's G-O-A-T-Y-Handicapping.com. And on Twitter, it's Straight Handicapping. So just follow us, and uh, we'll give you all the information you need. Thanks for coming again this week. Thanks, Caitlin. Always. <laughs>